0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Today on the podcast, Jay Layman, you guys have been clamoring for him ever since that win over Wisconsin and Wisconsin. Who can blame you? Because now you enter the week favorites against Iowa, a team you've been double-digit underdogs uh, against for most of the last decade, haven't beat since 2008. So Jay will join us on the pod today. I had a bunch of people tweeting at me uh, this afternoon, Monday afternoon, and going into Monday evening. Uh, When's the Jay pod coming? When's the Jay pod coming? It, it's coming. Uh, uh, I got a little busy with work and then with uh, the family stuff, So, uh, but I also wanted to record uh, this open of the podcast today before we get to Jay because uh, two big things other than Illinois beating Wisconsin came up over the weekend that could have an impact on Illinois. And that's two power five jobs opening. One kind of directly impacting Illinois because they impacted it and that's Paul Christ getting fired at Wisconsin which I was shocked uh, about. Maybe, maybe it's because when Jim Polson came on the pod last week it was kind of the first time I I heard I thought that Paul Christ uh, was on the hot seat, and and you heard me, if you listen to that interview, kind of saying like, oh, I didn't know the seat was warm then, but it was, and I uh, didn't know it was that warm. I don't even know if Jim uh, thought it was that hot because he had talked to Chris McIntosh, I believe, last week about this very topic, and Wisconsin gets run by Illinois, and that's it. A two-time Big Ten Coach of the Year, a guy who had a 720 win percentage, uh, had won all but one bowl game that, that I believe he had been to at Wisconsin but we know in this business this is the biggest thing I took from Paul Chris getting fired this business is changing and e- even for places like Wisconsin where you think loyalty you think you know take care of our guys you know Bo Ryan Greg Garden basketball Barry Alvarez goes to Brett Bielema, I know they had the weird Gary Anderson tenure there but then they go right to a guy in Paul Chris who's been there eight years and but this is a different age of college football and I think you're seeing that with five power five openings on October 3rd Wisconsin Nebraska Arizona State Georgia Tech and Colorado Uh, and we'll get to the Colorado job here in a second but I think you're seeing with all the big money here and the changes that are happening with USC and UCLA coming into the Big Ten and and look what those programs are doing right now and the divisions going away most likely for Wisconsin that's been a huge deal for Wisconsin uh, it's provided a great path for them to the Big Ten championship game and, and for superiority uh, in one side of the division. But that superiority has fallen the last couple of years, right? Like Northwestern won two out of three, Wisconsin won, winning the, the Big Ten West title in, the, in between. And then last year, you know, Wisconsin had the chance to, to win it, loses to Minnesota, and allows Iowa to come and steal the Big Ten West title last year. And now you're seeing Minnesota has caught up to, to Wisconsin. Illinois has now catching up i should say we got to let his whole season play out here but illinois which had lost you know eight straight games in camp randall just goes to camp randall and and smokes wisconsin you you can count the covid year or not i'm going to they're nine and eight in the big ten the last three seasons and they just saw that paul christ it was heading downhill and they wanted to try something different and I, I think what they would like to do is is, is hire Jim Leonard, right? G- Jim Leonard is going to be the interim coach. I find it interesting that they didn't let Chris coach to the end of the year and then just promote Jim Leonard. Or that they just didn't promote Jim Leonard now and name him head coach. Maybe they, they just want to give this seven games to show everyone else, hey, Jim Leonard's good. We we believe in this guy. But we're going to give him seven games to show that, hey, we'll win five and and get to a bowl game and Jim Leonard will lead all that. But there's also, could it be that they want to see it? Maybe even with five years of having Jim Leonard is, you know, in the program and defense coordinator. I know he's an all-American um before his ten year NFL career, uh, was a great player at Wisconsin and a team captain. You know, I've heard, is is he the personality to to, to be a head coach? I think that's still got to be shown there. Uh, you know, just being a team captain translates to being a head coach. I don't know. I, I don't know a lot about Jim Leonard other and his great resume as defense coordinator though the last year uh, hasn't been quite the same, at least the last uh, couple games against Ohio State and, and Illinois. So I, I would think Jim Leonard is the top guy, but I, I would I would really consider Lance Leipold because Wisconsin's kind of continually gone with the in-house guy outside of Gary Anderson, right? Barry Alvarez goes to Brett Bielema, who's his defensive coordinator, then they go with Gary Anderson after he leaves, but once Gary leaves, they go back to the Paul Chris guy, and now it seems like they want to go Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard hasn't proven he can build a program. Now, he's been part of a great program, knows the ins and outs of it, but Lance Leipold has done that in three different spots now, including Wisconsin-Whitewater has great ties in state, and I just think he can he can turn that thing into to what Wisconsin fans want. Even if he's not the sexiest name, I think Lance Leipold now is certainly that with, with Nebraska and Wisconsin potentially fighting over him, which is awesome because I, I, I thought when the Illinois job came open, Lance Leipold was the guy. Uh, they got Brett Bielema, and that worked out, but I think Lance Leipold would have worked out too. So uh, two of the top candidates for Illinois, I think Josh Whitman had uh, a choice of good two, two good choices there. But for Illinois, this is a huge opportunity, huge opportunity for Illinois wisconsin's down right or they're vulnerable and you took advantage of that on the field now can you take advantage of it off the field because wisconsin has four guys in their 2023 recruiting class that illinois really wanted that three of them came on official visits another one for an unofficial visit roderick pierce defensive lineman out of chicago jamel howard defensive lineman out of chicago chris Tarek, offensive lineman out of chicago um, Wisconsin was a pain in Illinois's butt so far in this class, and then Colin Dixon, Colin Dixon, excuse me, a wide receiver out of Ohio. Illinois is going to go for those guys, and you know from what I've heard, like those guys might stay on board if, if Jim Leonard is the new coach. And I think that's what Wisconsin probably wants. So, but this is a, a vulnerability. Like Illinois just beat them. Illinois's defensive line, if you, if you're pitching to Roderick Pierce, which I know Illinois is. Look what we're doing with Keith Randolph. Look what we're doing with Johnny Newton. Look what Calvin Avery is doing this year to potentially play himself back into a chance to play in the NFL. Those guys are dominant. They're the reason, the biggest reason I think that that Illinois is has the number one scoring defense in the country through five games, not taking nothing away from the back end of the linebackers. The back end has been ridiculously good as well. But those three guys, especially, have been fantastic, all big 10 level players. And I think Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, right now, I would have first team. All Big Ten, so you can sell that, and I think it's interesting for Wisconsin that they're kind of leaving this out there for seven weeks recruiting. How how does that impact them? I think Illinois is going to try and take advantage of that as they should, but just in the grand scheme of things, you know, Wisconsin is vulnerable. Iowa with its offensive coordinator thing, and you know them wanting to fire Brian Ferentz, at least the fans wanting to fire Brian Ferentz, but Kirk obviously not making that move. A little bit vulnerable, and we'll see how that plays out on the field this week. Uh, Nebraska, obviously, not what it is in Northwestern, is is a mess, an absolute mess. I think I think Pat Fitzgerald needs to make staff changes, both coordinators probably. So that's a big opportunity for for programs to to rise here, and I think Minnesota, Purdue, Illinois. It's a great opportunity for them. We've seen Purdue and Minnesota take those steps. Now, Illinois all of a t- sudden taking those steps. You got to have other teams fall, and, and certainly Wisconsin and Northwestern have been two of those. And we'll see how the season plays out for Iowa. Uh, so, huge opportunity for Illinois. And Wisconsin needs to get this higher, right? Because you, you, Jim Leonard and Wisconsin, uh, you know, Wisconsin's kind of had the sheen of they're kind of untouchable in where they are in the West. I think that's starting to change. And you wonder if they got complacent after 20-something years of being so consistently good. But now college football is changing. NIL seems like Wisconsin's behind in that race, while some other teams, Nebraska, I think, Illinois, are embracing those um, because they see it as an opportunity. I, I give a lot of credit for Josh Whitman for that. Because I know he probably doesn't love it, um, but he understands this is where college football in college basketball are going. And I think Brad Underwood and Brett Bielma are the exact same way. You might feel a little uncomfortable about it, but it's it's helping you. It it gives you a chance to kind of get back into that race. Wisconsin, are they going to do that? And they still got to hire the right coach. And that's why Jim Leonard could be a little bit risky because he's never been that guy. You know, a guy like Lance Leipold has. You know, Dave Dorn, can you go steal him? Can you go get Matt Campbell? Matt Campbell is a guy that is being patient. Really patient, and and I don't know if he'd take that job. Even though I think it's a it's a better job than Iowa State, but and I think he'd do incredibly well there. But it seems like he's been shooting for hire, Whether it was USC, waiting for Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State or an NFL job, maybe he just waits for that because you can now. You know Iowa State can pay well. These uh, other places can pay well, but the Colorado job also opens up. And of course, Ryan Walters, a Colorado alum. People are going to mention for that job. And, and I didn't want to record this podcast until, until I asked Ryan about it. I, I didn't ask him, hey, do you want that job or whatever. I just asked him, what do you feel um, when people mention your name? And he said, it's flattering. Of course, right? Uh, he said, the recognition is a result of what we've been able to do up to this point. But that's pretty much the extent of it. The nostalgia factor kind of goes out the window when you get in this perfection, profession. I haven't stepped foot in Boulder since 2011 when I was a coach at Arizona and we were playing against Colorado at Folsom Field. He said, my home is in Savoy, Illinois. I'm the defensive coordinator here at the University of Illinois, and I love my job. I love coaching for Coach B. I love the leadership here, and I love the direction that we're going. The locker room is the most fun group that i have ever had the chance to coach. That's pretty much it. My focus right now is how can we limit uh, Iowa to get to the scoreboard and how quickly can we give the ball to our offense? Colorado should interview Ryan Walters Rick George, Dof, Illinois alum is going to be making his fifth hire he's got to get this one right and Carl Durrell was a spectacular failure Mike McIntyre had one really really good year but he's he's got to get this one right And is he going to, is he going to risk for Ryan Walters I'm not sure I think he's going to try and find a head coach I think Bronco Mendenhall will be my first call there the guy from the West Coast, Utah, could do really well there. Uh, has built two programs. I think he could see, succeed. I, I think he might be re-energized going back there. Take a year off, go get a new job, and, and get that new contract, right? Uh, that would be one of the first guys. I I, I talked to Brian Harson at Auburn. Maybe that's a soft landing for him. But I also thought some other things were really interesting. I um, asked Bielema about this, and... One of the comments that I thought was really interesting, he said, You know, Josh and I, as an athletic director, said, Let's do everything we can to keep him here as long as we can, but let's prepare him so when the moment comes, he can have success. Brett has taken a lot of pride in developing some head coaches, and that's part of why Ryan Walters came here. Uh, there's a lot of defensive coordinators that Brett has had have gone on to be head coaches Dave Doran, Charlie Partridge, Chris Ash, and of course, Paul Chris, who was his offensive coordinator at Wisconsin, uh, was a head coach at Pittsburgh and Wisconsin. So he's got a really good coaching tree. And Ryan said that's one of the reasons he wanted to come here. Kevin Kane, George McDonald, they said that was part of the reasons they wanted to come here. All guys who had Power 5 jobs uh, before they came to Illinois. And Aaron Henry is one of those. Uh, and Barry Loney, certainly. You know, being an offensive coordinator, Power 5 job, that, that can set you up to have a potential to be a head coach. But I found this comment really interesting from Brett, who's been a lot of places, talked to a lot of people. He's interviewed for jobs. He said, I think he carries a lot of the characteristics in the right environment to be successful. And he also said, the good thing about Ryan is I think he's one of the most patient people I've ever been around from the way he calls a defense, the way he manages and handles his family. He's just a really, truly exceptional person that when those moments come, I think he'll be great. Did you read in that, that maybe he thinks Ryan can eventually do better in Colorado? Because Colorado is a tough job. Might be his alma mater, but you really only get – you got to be careful about which job you pick. You want to be successful. And when you're making over a million dollars like Ryan Walters, maybe you don't got to leap at the first job, even if it is one of the tugs at the heartstrings. I found it interesting. Ryan said nostalgia isn't going to play a role in that. You know, the athletic director, you got to believe in all those things. So I found that interesting. If Ryan Walters is offered the Colorado job and is offered $4 million to do it, I think he'd have a really hard time turning it down. But if Ryan Walters stays at Illinois for another year or two and Illinois pays him 1.5 plus, he can do the gym Leonard. He can wait for the right job, for the right opportunity. know, I saw Dave Aranda do that. Stayed around at Wisconsin under Paul Chris for a couple of years, Gary Anderson and Paul Chris for a couple years. And then he took a job he really wanted and succeeded. And he went to LSU and eventually got to Baylor. Right, that's a really good job. Some of these guys leap at the first opportunity. Some of these coordinators, Kirby Smart. Stayed at Alabama for how long? Nate takes a really good job at Georgia. I don't know if Ryan Walter's going to be that. I don't know if he'd stay around long enough for that. I think he obviously wants to be a head coach. He admitted that. He's got, he's got aspirations. But if Illinois is going to pay him, continue to pay him, top defensive coordinator money, which they are, can he be patient? I don't know if he turned down, down Colorado, but I don't think he's going to be desperate. And, of course, Illinois wants to keep him. I think Illinois is set in a good position with Brett Bielma to to be okay. You know, I don't want to say they're going to be able to replace Ryan Walters and just be as good as they are because I think he's special. But Kevin Kane's a, a good in-house candidate, and, and bielma has got connections to a lot of guys um, that are, are really good candidates that probably would take a Power 5 defense coordinator job that pays seven figures. So I, I think they'll be okay, but isn't this a good place for Illinois to be? Right, that you're – defense coordinator is being mentioned as a head coaching candidate that Brett Bielma thinks you got four or five more guys who could eventually be head coaches on your staff. Last guy to be go from Illinois assistant coach to head coach at the FBS level was Mike Loxley back in 2008. It was a long time ago. So the fact that you're talking about beating Wisconsin, taking advantage of a down big 10 West, and you got a coach that's a potential Power Five candidate. What's happening with Illinois football? These are good times. These are good conversations for us to have about Illinois football. All right, Jay Layman coming up next on the Illinois Enquirer podcast.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: Jay Lehman, All-American linebacker joining us, talking about a four-and-one football team. Jay, I know you and I thought they could win at a vulnerable Wisconsin team, uh, but that was emphatically dominant, uh, so much so that Paul Christ was fired after. And we'll get to that later, but yeah, uh, just the most impressive part of that win for you was what?
0: Uh, I think the way Illinois won, I think you could go back to 2019 and say, when they beat wisconsin it was maybe a little fluky based off of turnovers i think if you go back to the tim beckman era when they beat cincinnati quarterback quarterback gets hurt i've been going through like the last the great wins of the last 10 or 12 years you know and i just think so dominant up front uh i knew they were i knew illinois defense was good up front i didn't know how good against the run they would be uh they passed that with spades um and then the ability to stick with the run game. You know, this felt. It, honestly, it felt like a. It felt like a game where. You, a team's able to hang with the team for a half, and then it, it's done, and that and that's what happened in the third quarter. That's what good football teams do. I said this somewhere else last week. I said, you know, if you look at the conference, uh, the Big Ten West, and you had white jerseys on everybody or black jerseys on everybody, and you took the jerseys off, and you just looked at the film. They didn't judge teams in the past of what they've done the last five years or what they did last year. What I was done, Illinois football is playing the best out of anybody in the Big Ten West, offense uh, defensively for sure, and offensively the last week or two has really made strides. I thought
1: they proved as much in this game, Jay, and I agree with you. Michigan State, Wisconsin, a couple of years ago, there's a little bit of flukiness involved. Sure. So could they sustain that? Was the question. I have no doubt that they can sustain what they're doing because it's sustainable. You're winning in the trenches, sure. starting to take care of the ball, but let's start with that number one scoring defense in the country, limiting Braylon Allen to eight carries on two yards. Chez Malusi, who I think can start for a lot of big 10 teams, 16 sure. yards, seven carries you put in the quarterback sacks. They had two rushing yards. Jeff. Yeah. Um, how are they able to do that? I mean, the defensive front, it's, it's one of the best in the big 10, right?
0: Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. You know, it's, it's very rare too, to, see see, uh, we have a five man front on a high percentage of our, of our downs. That's kind of rare to see. I mean, it is a, it is a true three, four, they count Akis and Coleman as outside backers, uh, but they keep Calvin Avery in there a lot, right. As a true nose and have Newton along with Randolph. And let me just tell you this, like, you're, if you play man-to man coverage against a halfway decent quarterback which Graham Mertz is despite anybody whatever people say, you're gonna give up some pass plays It's just the bottom line you're going to give up plays we heard Brett Beam say it uh they hit garendo early with with a great pitch and great catch. I mean uh, uh, you know so kind That's of, why of Mertz is frustrating
1: right because he'll uh, make throws they're like oh
0: okay yeah, and then- yeah they'll they're gonna get some plays right you gave up I think 200 yards passing right? But at the same time, it's just not very consistent. This offensively, they look like Illinois a little bit last last year against uh, against Wisconsin, right? Where they tried to come, they tried to, it almost threw them off. We can't run the football. We're not going to try that much. Let's throw the football. We had some success. They got away from their identity a bit. And quite honestly, you, you know, there is no such thing as a bad Wisconsin offensive line. Is this as dominant as years past? It's not, but it's definitely uh, average to above average. When you look across the big 10 West for sure. And when it came to the run game, I I saw Keith, I saw Calvin, I saw Johnny, I saw some of the backs just, they always say play with extension, but they don't stick to blocks. No Velcro on these guys, man. They get off blocks. I mean, fast. And dude, the pressure is real. I mean, listen, Graham Mertz, there's there's a reasons quarterbacks quarterbacks have been a lot worse whether it's Brennan Armstrong or anybody we're playing against or Graham Ritz in the third and fourth quarter. Dude, it gets tiresome to keep on getting hit, to be under duress, getting banged up, and they're bringing tons of pressure and and trust in the back end uh, with a lot of faith, which they've done a good job on that. Uh, the back end has, but I would think first it starts with stopping the run. You win first and second down. A lot of bad penalties by Wisconsin as well. And then also you bring pressure on these downs and you see sacks from multiple people, right? I saw Randolph get a sack, Newton had some pressures. I think uh Angelo had a sack, uh T-Ra, is it T-Ra or T-Ra? T R ra t T-Ra, T-Ra had a sack, Edwards. And so you see it from multiple people, which means it's not just a great athlete, a lot of it schematically as well. Jay, like I, I I don't mean to rag on anybody, but
1: you just see how much scheme and coaching matters, right? Like just the whole philosophy of this defense is so different than what Lovey Smith did.
0: Can, can you explain like why that has unlocked all these guys? Uh, So I guess the most simple and maybe most brutal explanation is that Ryan Walters is a better defensive coach, at least at the college level. I, I think we can agree on that. I mean, I think Lovey Smith is, proven at the NFL and whatnot, but at the college level, as far as uh, teaching and implementing a game plan and skills, um, there's no question uh, he's done a phenomenal job. Number two, the players have gotten older. Some of those players admittedly probably played too early in their career and now they're reaching mature status, but let's get to the schemes. And I think it's about putting players in position to be excellent, right? And I think They have done a phenomenal job at putting guys where they will thrive that, you know, uh, what I love is that Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, they play what you would call a four eye, which is basically inside shade a lot of times of that tackle. And in another defense, they might be a nose tackle or a three technique. But what I love about a four eye, which is what, you know, like a guy like JJ Watt plays in the NFL, Aaron Donald plays that a lot as well is It's these guys that are big, but have tremendous feet and motor. And so I feel like it's put Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph in a great space to be great at the four-eye position, number one, okay? Calvin Avery would really struggle at a four-eye, but he's dominant as a nose tackle when you say, hey, you got one job, and that is to blow up the center and get penetration. And he does that, right? And then you start to throw in Gabe Akis. Seth Coleman, hey, we got to have you get some pressures. You're putting them in the right position. I think the biggest difference I see, though, is on the back end. I I did not realize how good – guys, they're not doing – they do a tremendous job of disguising. But when it comes down to it after the ball is so – there's pre-snap and there's post-snap. Pre-snap, they do a lot of disguising. But when it comes down to it, largely it's man-to-man or some kind of pressure, right? Or sometimes they slough off into cover three, which looks like man-to-man pre-snap. The technique that they play with is, 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 I'm telling you right now, scouts are taking notice. I'm taking notice. We really have tremendous technique. You look at uh, Devin Witherspoon, unbelievable technique on pass plays. Quan Martin, rarely out of position, makes the tackle in space. Uh, Even... I've been really impressed with, with Taz Nicholson. I mean, I think he's probably, we would say the fourth best out of the, out of the DBs, but he certainly hasn't played like the last two or three weeks. You know, I think he's made plays he's physical, he's a ball Hawk. And, you know, although sometimes Sydney might not have the stat line, uh, his versatility of what he can do is kind of like a Troy. Not only does he just look like it, it looks like a Troy Paul, but he he does act like that because he's able to be a run stuffer. So I think, the technique, number one, putting guys where they need to be at, right? And at the end of the day, let's be honest, everything works better when the guys up front are getting pressure and stopping the run, and we've seen it work synergistically.
1: Jay, I think Illinois would be lucky to get another year of Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton with the way they're playing, but it is so fun to watch Calvin Avery. Sure. Um, just the light goes on. It's He got an extra year, and he's making the most of it. What, what does he mean between those two uh, who are playing at a ridiculous level?
0: Uh, but what is, has what is Calvin meant as kind of the linchpin of that? Well, I think, I think first and foremost, it's really what we call it combo blocks in the run game where, you know, hey, I get the center and guard can get a hand to help out on, uh, you know, maybe the center, uh, the nose tackle, but then they combo up onto – johnny newton or they count a double team a combination block uh up onto uh keith randolph and the thing is is you can't block calvin Avery with one guy like i've seen people try to block calvin avery with one dude when he decides to go which has been uh, that was really the question the first three or four years i have not seen him loaf this year right i've seen his motor on the entire time and when he goes He cannot be blocked at the point of attack. He might not make the play, okay? But he's going to be very disruptive. And whenever you have somebody that's very disruptive that caves the center of an offensive line, one, the pocket collapses on the passes. But two, I'm not able to come up and help, you know, and pass off Johnny Newton or Keith Randolph to another guy. I saw one time where they tried to have Eschenbach, I believe, block Newton on a run play. And Newton threw him like a rag doll, and it was a, this, this was a down block by Eschen Block, right? So it should be an easy block for an offensive guy. Newton saw it, basically threw him with one hand and made made the play, right? I mean, these are just plays that you're like, okay, yeah, it's a zero-yard gain, but why is it a zero-yard gain? And because they're all working in tandem, and a big part of that is Calvin Avery. And I think that's why Ryan Walters, one of the reasons at least, is has able to say, I could put five down because I got Calvin Avery in there And he gobbles up a ton. And here's the thing about a nose. A nose is often taken out on pass downs because they are not great pass rushers historically. They are great run stuffers. But what I've seen with Calvin Avery, he gets so much push, he's able to collapse the pocket. Now, a center is known to try to keep the pocket firm by not giving much ground and then tackles give ground, right? But he's collapsed the pocket, which has made the quarterback sidestep right into Newton uh, Newton or Randolph. Yeah, it's almost like he's an offensive
1: lineman pushing the the, the center. Sure. Back yeah, the no,
0: line. totally, totally a grinder, right? I mean, and he's been really impressive. And, and, and a big shout out to Terrence Jamison. You know, I I think he's done a tremendous job. I know this this is probably a big game for a lot of these coaches, right? I mean, Aaron Henry uh, coached at Wisconsin, played at Wisconsin. I played against Coach Henry, the DB coach, and also uh, Terrence Jamison played at Wisconsin, was a coach there, and I think he's done a tremendous job technique wise. And I don't I don't want that to be, you know, not stated.
1: Jay, let's flip to the offensive side of the football. You mentioned one thing that really stuck out to me, which is they kept giving it to Chase Brown, right? They they didn't give up on it. Tony Peterson just kind of game plan out the window. Let's throw it 38 times last year. Didn't work out. We sure. see how that works out in the end as, as Chase gets the big one. But also they were five for five in the red zone. You could probably say seven for seven because they had to get three times on the one drive. Um, but, but what stood out for you offensively to be able to score 34 on Wisconsin, which is the most in 20 years. they don't uh, you,
0: you know, first off, I, I don't think any offense clicks without the offensive line. So I, th- I think they did a tremendous job. Remember this is, this was coming into the year was considered a patchwork offensive line with some Juco transfers that were, Highly regarded, but largely unproven at the Power Five level. Obviously, uh, I think it, I, I cannot say enough about Tommy DeVito. Uh, certainly didn't have any pat, uh, touchdown passes, and understand had one called back with the chase and whatnot. And and Tip Ryman could have been—I mean, that that could have been one. Maybe that wasn't him throwing the football, but uh, what what I'm what I'm saying is he was so poised, right? He he, it reminded me of the Wisconsin quarterbacks that I played against, right? Didn't blow you away. The word is efficient, right? They always lead the league in passing efficiency, right? He, he
1: reminds me of Sean Clifford. He, he, he oh, just yeah. kinda, i mean, he might have more arm talent, but like, you know, Sean's not this guy that people are going to NFL prospect. But he's a dang good college quarterback. And then Tommy just looks like a dang good
0: college quarterback. And and Sean Clifford's good enough that Will Levis wasn't able to beat him out, right? <laughs> Will Levis had to transfer to Kentucky, right? So I mean, I, I really give Tommy a lot of credit because I think. He's what we were really missing last year. The ability to pick up some first downs through the air to Isaiah when you needed, or to Pat Bryan, or, you know, even Hightower had some, had some really good, that first ball to Hightower was clean. I mean, maybe one of the best balls we we've seen as far as from Tommy DeVito. So he was in sync and his leadership. But what I like is, is they stuck with the run game. I feel like we have Brett Bealum of Wisconsin, but he has had the education of, Hey, I need a little more spread tendency Uh, You know, I, you know, I don't, it's not just ground and pound. It's a little bit more modernized version. So they stuck with the run. He knew something was going to pop and chase popped it. Right. Which he did made a guy miss. Right. Right in the hole. The safety was there to make it play. Totally missed it. And then what I love is let's talk about Barry Lunny. I mean, the RPO banged them a couple of times, right. On the slant route, getting Isaiah open for third downs, right. Uh, Some creative plays when we needed it. I give him a lot of credit. I mean, 34 points against a Wisconsin defense. I know they have lost a lot to graduation, okay? Um, but I tell you what, very good game plan. We've been upset about turnovers. We've been upset about red zone. Those were not an issue, right? And so, uh, you know, Chase is one of those guys where if you feed him enough, it's, it's, it's gonna happen, right? I don't think we have another running back on the roster right now that's that's like that. Maybe, maybe Josh McCray went healthy. But you have to feed Chase, and they did a good job getting those touches, even when it didn't work right away.
1: Yeah, I, th- I thought some of the plays that really stood out, the, the fourth down whip route to, to Isaiah Williams was, was sure. a beauty uh, for, for him. Um, the, near the goal line on a third down, they had four wide receivers set, and Tommy DeVito um, took the draw. I don't know if he had a, the option to pass it if if the number said it. but uh, And then Tommy just prolonging some p- plays, finding Bryant on one, Uh, And and then finding Isaiah Williams for a third down conversion early in the game on on a scramble uh, and then the back shoulder throw. So yeah, there there were some really big first downs. Like we talk about the touchdown plays all the time, but those first down drive extending plays are just massive.
0: Well, we, and we, we said that going into the years that what was Tommy DeVito bring, we thought of being three to five more first downs, you know, and those happen at critical, critical times. Um, And I think what's, you know, in, in the past, with without a defense like Illinois has now, you know, the offense sputters maybe the first quarter and a half. We would be down 21 nothing, right? And so with this defense, you know, there's never any panic, right? They're going to get, listen, if you play the way, they don't play bend but don't break. We hear that term a lot. They really don't play that style at all, right? It's like, Nothing, or maybe something. You know, they're going to give up some plays, uh, but they are not a bend but don't break defense. They're highly aggressive. They're highly challenging. They take on the personality of Ryan Walters, and we're going to give up some plays. and I, And I think they've realized that, and they've they've coached the guys. Listen, you're going to give up some plays in this. Let's keep going. And really, just took the soul of Wisconsin. I mean, I, it's 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 hard to state what that means when Wisconsin has been what they've been the last you know, two or three decades in the Big Ten. Jay, the
1: players said they expected to win, but you were a part of a team in in 06 that struggled to win those games. And in 07, you find a way to win. Sure. Uh, What is a win like that? Dominant at Wisconsin, first time in 20 years. I know you expect to win going in there. You can say that, but to actually get it, how does that change
0: for the players in that locker room? I think it is a total mental shift for these guys. I mean, there is always talk in summer workouts, winter workouts, we're going to be this, we're going to be better. We expect to win. Of course, you're not going to go there and say we don't expect to win, right? But I think when you actually go do it on national TV at somebody's house, who's, you know, been the historical bully in the Big Ten West over the last decade, and you do it that the way that you did it, and you realize, wow. I'm not that far away. I think that's the, that's the thing. You, you kind of think, oh, well, we'll get there someday. I, I'm telling you right now, if I'm Illinois, there's no reason I don't belong in the Big Ten West Championship, right? If everybody's got a loss, I've got Michigan and Michigan State. Even if I lose to Michigan but win out, I can be in that Big Ten West Championship, right? And so you're thinking that, number one. Uh, so it's shifting, I think number two is it's a very difficult time. And this reminds me a lot of we had just beaten Penn State, we just beat Wisconsin, and then we got to go to Iowa. You know, it
1: still eats at you, doesn't it?
0: Still eats at me, (laughs) you know. And and Iowa, I believe at that time was that year three and three. They were not great, you know, and ended up losing that game, you know, 10 to six, Just, just a game where nothing really works well. I mean, we played okay defensively, but we, we we let them chew up a lot of clock, you know? And I think that's what I worry when I see Iowa on the schedule, because what are they, three and two? And have looked bad offensively, but they're going to be better than we expected them to be. And I do think it's going to be the biggest, biggest challenge for our offense that they've had. And so that's, that's the thing, not committing turnovers and special teams. But I know I'm getting into the next game. <laughs> Yeah.
1: But yeah, I was going to ask you, um, you know, now they're going to start getting some love, right? Like now now get some national love, get some votes, receiving votes in the polls. What's the key in that locker room with the coaching staff to, to maintain this week after week. Like that's the hard part here. It's like last year we saw them win some games and the next week, you know, lose to Rutgers. um,
0: Right.
1: Which is hard. And then how do you, how do you find that consistency as a program?
0: Yeah. So, Just looking at the schedule last year. So on October 9th, they got beat by Wisconsin 24 to nothing, right? And then they go and beat Penn State. Then they lose to Rutgers. Then they beat Minnesota, lose to Iowa, and then dominate Northwestern, right? And so it went back and forth and hemmed and hawed, right? And I think breakthrough win is consistent in it is a total of these three games scheduled, you know, circled up or scheduled for a while. I mean, you look at it, you got Wisconsin, Iowa, North, uh, Minnesota. It's all recruiting our backyard. Those guys historically, at least Iowa, Wisconsin have been better than us, Minnesota better than us recently. And I think they know what's on these three games. I think they're going to be ready, but I think what gives me confidence is, when you can play stifling defense and run the football, you have a chance in every game, even if other things don't work. And that's what gives me confidence moving into this game against Iowa.
1: All right, Jay. Well, now you get Iowa here, uh, a chance for Illinois to, to get to 5-1, probably get a ranking if you beat Iowa here at home. And I hate this term, but you know, kind of maybe control your destiny the rest of the way in the Big Ten West. So uh, what do you think are the keys to, to Illinois getting that victory and getting another one?
0: Well, I think a huge deal is that Illinois is at home. Kinnick's a very tough place to play, number one. And I think Illinois being at home, a night game, I think there's going to be a good fan output for it, hopefully. And, and I'm excited about that. Number two is turnovers. Uh, nobody's better at intercepting the football than the Hawkeyes over the last half decade or so. And Phil Parker prides himself on that. I wouldn't be surprised if Tommy DeVito throws one or two, maybe a tip pass, maybe something else. Can the Illinois defense respond after that and the Illinois offense respond? listen, like a great offense, this defense is going to make plays, right? And then special teams. It was the kickoff return last year against uh, Iowa that really broke an omen. Illinois played them even. Remember, I don't think Brett Bielen was at that Iowa game. I'm not, I don't think you would think he was sick with COVID. And unfortunately, you know, um, it was the special teams that made a difference. And with Caleb Griffin being banged up a little bit, we saw that kind of be an issue against Wisconsin. That was their best offensive weapon really was some of their kickoff returns. and so. Uh, we got to be good in those facets.
1: Well, Jay, I I don't think either of us thought Paul Chris would get fired even after the loss, like that quickly. I thought he was got to be on the hot seat for a little bit, but Wisconsin makes a a quick move here. Um, Jim Leonard, who some people think could be the head coach after this, it seems to be getting a trial run. But what did you make of Wisconsin making this move? It it feels like pretty urgent for a program that has – struggled a little bit more than usual here recently and, and is losing ground in the conference. But uh, you know, program that seems to be so stable
0: making this move was kind of shocking. I, I was shocked by this. I mean, they were four and three in the COVID year. That was kind of a wash year for everybody, right? Nine and four last year with a bowl, uh, with a bowl win, you know, Paul Chris has won every bowl except the 2019 Rose bowl where he lost in the last second to, to Oregon. Remember, he won the Cotton Bowl in 2016, where they beat Western Michigan, beat Miami in the Orange Bowl in 2017. I mean, they've been to some legit bowl games, right? 2016, 2017, uh, Rose Bowl 2019. uh, Seemed to be a rotate between Capital One and Outback if they're not in those, right? I mean, that's just kind of what Wisconsin is. And so I thought, I mean, he was born and raised in Madison, played there, uh, longtime assistant there. I did not see it coming at all. But I think they have two things. Um, One has just become way more popular to fire your coach earlier than later in college football. I don't know if that's to get a jump on stuff or what. But I do believe they think they have a diamond in Jim Leonard. I really think they didn't want Jim to get away and have a chance to kind of give a trial run. Whether he gets the job, I'm not sure. I think the other one that makes sense is Lance Leipold. Uh, I mean, obviously, the Wisconsin-Whitewater connection there won a ton of games at the D three level and has won at every level he's been at now five and Oh, uh, with Kansas. Uh, I think though, there could be a couple of people fighting for light whether it be Colorado or Nebraska or, uh, you know, Wisconsin. So, uh, all of those things combined, I was really surprised, but I think it is a unbelievable opportunity. We look at how shaky the big 10 West is, right? I mean, frost is gone. Okay. We have, we, we, we have, uh, Chris now gone, but Pat Fitzgerald in Northwestern. I'm not saying Pat Fitzgerald is gone. I think he's got more than more than a year or two of maybe subpar football, just of what he's done there, but they're not playing at the same level they played at that. That is obvious to see. Okay. And so something needs to change. And so Northwestern losing ground, at least in the win loss column, I know they've, they've had some recruiting wins and whatnot. PJ looks to be on stable ground. Brown looks to be on stable ground, but If there's a team with the most momentum right now, it's got to be Illinois, you know, when you look at the Big Ten West and how fast stuff can change. And so I think it's a critical, critical time when you look at what Illinois is doing um, for them to take ground in the conference.
1: That's a great opportunity, especially as long as division play is here, uh, which might not be that much longer, but you you might have a chance here. Uh, Jay, before I let you go, I mean, two big jobs in in this conference, um, not Michigan, Ohio State, but two big jobs in Wisconsin, Nebraska, like if you're Lance Leipold, which one is which one is more appealing?
0: Like, what, what do you think is the better job? Uh, I think for Lance, I, I think you know, depends how, how important you know, home bases were with what he did in Wisconsin. That might be more appealing to him, uh, based on you know, he's 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 an older coach for being an up-and-coming coach. I mean, I think he's in his 50s at least. Uh, you know, and so I think that seems more appealing. I know that. Nebraska seems to be a little bit more committed to the cutting edge of, hey, we're going to do whatever it takes to be the best and to get back to where it's at, whether it's going to you know do this with NIL or we're going to pay coaches this or whatever. So I can see both of those. And and I will say this, if, if Illinois gets to nine wins this year, which I do think is possible, Brett Bielema could be a – candidate for either job now would they ever bring him back to wisconsin doubtful right but if i'm if i'm north if i'm nebraska you know it's worth a chat from where illinois was over the last two years now i don't want that to happen and and i'm sure if he gets nine wins josh whitman's going to lock him up for an extension so that's a brent doesn't make no signs of that but i'm just saying when you win games uh that's what happens so so just some food for thought for illinois fans you know.
1: Yeah, and how about this? I mean, Colorado's open. Of course, Ryan Walter's can be mentioned for that, sure. Jay. That's a good sign when other people want your coaches because you were—you know the guy who was the last Illinois assistant to become a head coach. right? Yeah, it was Mike Loxley,
0: right? A long yeah. time ago, Jay. A-, a long time ago. And, you know, what's interesting about Loxley was, although we had some good offenses and certainly did that, it was largely for the recruiting aspect. That he did, and I think with Ryan Walters, although they've got good players, people really think he is a premier coach. And uh, I I know he's at least going to get an interview for Colorado. Whether he needs to have a a stop at a at a Mountain West job beforehand or 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 a Mac job beforehand, I guess that's a decision for Illinois former Illinois guy Rick George to make to make. But um, you know, there was a time when everybody wanted Rick George to be our AD and not Josh Whitman. So it's amazing how stuff turns out over time. Let's just say that. <laughs> Jay Lehman, you're the goods, man. Appreciate it as always. We'll talk next week. You got it. Great stuff as
1: always from our All-American linebacker, Jay Lehman. Thank you for being patient to get this podcast out, but hope you enjoyed it, man. Um, huge game. Huge game against Iowa. And I-, I wrote this in my column, and Joey Wagner and I talked about it, but if you're not believing in this yet, then, then what are you waiting for? Brett Bielma is pleading for fans to, to show up on Saturday. And and I'm not I'm not gonna carry his water. It's not my job to sell tickets, but man, if you've been waiting this long for a good football programmer to go to an Illinois game, like I got friends I haven't heard from in a while talking about Illinois football, asking me about Illinois football. Like this is the time to do it. And I I know it's it's an expensive thing to go. I've seen all the conversation about ticket prices and all that, but this uh it's a price of big ten tickets. But this is, this is a team that deserves it, and I think Illinois needs to start having a home field advantage. And if you want to have, get more recruits here to have a better program to turn into Iowa, to turn into Wisconsin, this is time to show out. You know, a lot of people came to the second game of Lovey Smith based on hope, right? Like, you should have real, real hope now because you've seen it. You've seen it. So I, I think it's really important, I think, for Illinois to, to start getting the crowd here. And against Iowa, six thirty Saturday night game, a chance to be an arrival. I mean, if Illinois wins this, they're ranked. They're ranked, and you're relevant, and you have a chance to win the Big Ten West. And I'll mention if they win, but I hate using the term as I said with Jay. But you control your own destiny, right? This is the time. This, is the, I mean, this is a potential special season. I, I said it when Illinois was six and four. After beating Michigan State, they didn't end up being uh, special because they didn't win the last two games, uh, but I thought that could have been one of the, the better seasons of, of modern Illinois football history, which would have been 8-4 going into the bowl season, but you would add a close to a January 1st bowl, like our bowl projection at 24-7. Has them playing in the, I don't even, Relia Quest Bowl, formerly the Outback Bowl. I don't think they have the uh, Bloom and Onion anymore, RIP, Bloom and Onion, but... That's a pretty cool bowl to play in in Tampa in January. Th- that's the possibilities right now, and, and it's real. Like we talked about after the game, this feels more real than any because you're dominating. You've dominated every game. Yeah, you lost to Indiana, that was frustrating, and you're still regretting that one because you'd be ranked already if you would have beat Indiana most likely, and you'd really control your own destiny uh, in the Big Ten West and have the Big Ten West lead right now. But that didn't happen, but still, the way they've played has been dominant. It's a well coached Illinois football team. And I know people listening to this know it, but man, like you need to get the people around you to, to, to go to these games. Like I get it, I don't want to spend people's money. But I've seen Memorial Stadium full for worse teams. Way worse. Can't keep having thirty thousand plus seats empty. Um, I think I think Bielma wants to see that. I think Whitman obviously wants to see that. But that basketball energy, bring it to football, man, because that, that, that takes care of everybody. When that football stadium is full and football is humming, man. Anyway, don't know what my point was there, but I'm really interested to see what attendance will be. Because if they can't draw in fans at this point, Then what would it take? That's what I would ask if I were Brett (laughs) Bielema, especially when other jobs are going to be open and maybe a year or two. Brett is a really wanted man. Like he wants to see that support. So maybe that's my point. You got to show that support to recruits. You got to show that support to players. You got to show that support to, to coaching staff as well. Anyway, I'm rambling. Everybody, thank you for listening to the Alana Enquirer podcast. Give us a rating, review, follow wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube as well. Hit that like button. It really helps us out, uh, gets us out to more people, and uh, subscribe to us on YouTube as well. We appreciate that. Everybody, take care of each other. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time on the Alana Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.